Redbox Media Programming is brought to you by... Are you looking to serve God and society? Consider putting your gifts to work as a lawyer. Ave Maria School of Law has been educating faith-filled lawyers for over 20 years. Ave Maria School of Law is committed to training lawyers to use law appropriately around the moral issues of our time. Visit AveMariaLaw.edu to learn more about integrating your faith with a law degree. Looking for a way to build daily prayer discipline? Seen the rise in mindfulness meditation, but not sure if it is possible to meditate in a way that's consistent with your Catholic faith? Just looking for a way to breathe new life into your existing prayer routine? No matter what you're looking for, Hollow is here to help. Hollow is a Catholic prayer and meditation app that helps users deepen their relationship with God through audio-guided contemplative prayer sessions. From meditations on the daily gospel to the rosary to daily examines, Hollow has something for everyone. Hollow is the number one Catholic app in the U.S. It is free to download and has permanently free content, but you can also check out all of the premium sessions for 30 days, risk-free, by signing up at www.hollow.app slash breadbox. O Lord my God, Thou searchest me, my heart and mind are known to Thee, nothing is hidden from God. In the name of the Father, the Son, the Holy when Spirit, Amen. I'd like to welcome you all to our Perseverance family at the beginning of this new year. And as always, let's start with inviting Mary to be with us. Mary is truly the mother of God. Mary is the mother of the church. And Mary is the mother of each and every one of us. In the beautiful prayer that we pray at the end of the rosary, the Hell Holy Queen, we invoke Mary as our life, our sweetness, and our hope. Let's turn to Mary as we say that prayer that she loves so much, and it's the Hail Mary. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for our sinners, now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Please invite now our spiritual guide or spiritual director to be with us. Who is our spiritual guide and director? That is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is known also as the counselor, the consoler, also known as the Mutual bond of love between the Father and the Son. The Holy Spirit is according to the Catechism of the Catholic Church. The Holy Spirit is the gift of gifts. Also the Holy Spirit is known as the interior master as St. Paul says, we don't know how to pray as we ought, 
but the Holy Spirit intercedes with ineffable groans so that we can say, Abba, Abba, which means Father. So let's sing to the Holy Spirit and invite him to be with us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Melt me, mold me, fill me, use me, Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Now in us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Melt us, mold us, fill us, use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Fall afresh on us. Fall afresh on us. Our Lady of Guadalupe, pray for us. Saint Joseph, pray for us. Saint Michael, pray for us. Saint Gabriel, pray for us. Saint Faustina, pray for us. Saint Teresa of Avila, pray for us. Saint Nation Loyola, pray for us. Saint Elizabeth Ann Seton, pray for us. All God's angels and saints, pray for us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Christmas season actually extends until next Monday, which we'll be celebrating the baptism of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Therefore, we find ourselves still in this great season of joy, Christmas, in which we're celebrating the birthday of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Yesterday we celebrated one of the principal feast days in the Christmas season. And it was the feast day of the Epiphany. Epiphany which means manifestation. In which the kings following the star they first arrived in Jerusalem at the palace of King Herod. And he's thrown into consternation because they say, where is the newborn king? Because we have seen his star. And the experts uh, arrive at the conclusion that in Bethlehem, 
from the prophet Micah. Micah, you of all cities are not the least because the Savior will be born in Bethlehem. So King Herod dismisses the kings from the east with a lie and he says, go and tell me where he is so that when you find him, I like you, I will adore him. So the star that they were following changes direction and directs them to Bethlehem, which was about three miles away from the city of Jerusalem. So they follow the star and they, the star stops over a humble little abode, stops over a cave, a stable, a refuge from, for animals. And they dismount their animals and they see the little baby Jesus. They are laying in the manger. And it says that they get, they, they prostrate themselves. They basically, they throw themselves to the ground. They are kings coming from the east. But the interior light of faith has guided them. Both faith and reason, meditating upon the word of God within, and reason by utilizing their natural powers in studying nature, the phenomena of nature, most especially the stars and the movement of the stars. So it's important that we use faith and reason. That, that's why we're studying the Catechism of the Catholic Church a number at a time. In which the Catechism speaks about two attributes of God over the past couple of days. God is wisdom and God is love. So they've arrived at the cave of Bethlehem. There they meet the Holy Family. Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. We celebrate the Holy Family also in the Christmas season. We're called to form Holy Families. We will if we place Christ in the center of our family. Joseph and Mary, the center of their life was Jesus. There's the Holy Family, a model for us. So these kings, they rejoice immensely Maybe they were traveling 300 miles, I've heard. Maybe they're traveling many weeks. Finally, they encounter Christ. They made a real effort to encounter Christ. So we should make a real effort in our lives to encounter Christ. We're called to become saints. God's grace, God's grace is, is always sufficient. It rains down upon us, God's grace. But... Our correspondence with grace is sometimes weak. Let's pray that we place a real concerted effort starting today <coughs> to give ourselves to Christ completely. So obviously when they meet Christ, they prostrate themselves to a prostrate is a 
reverential gesture which indicates adoration, humility, submission, honor, adoration. They are kings, but they recognize in that little baby a greater king. They are earthly kings, but he is Lord of Lords, King of Kings, King of the Universe. So they prostrate themselves and they open up their coffers. Their coffers, their little chests or cases in which they had brought gifts. And each gift is very important. Each gift is rich in symbolism. The names that have been given to these these uh, kings are Balthasar, Melchor, and Gaspar. Those are the three names that have been given. Balthasar, Melchor, and Gaspar. They give three gifts. And the three gifts, I'm sure you know what they are. But there's a, dip, a deep symbolism and a practical application to our own lives. These gifts are those of gold, <clears throat> gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Yeah, those are the gifts. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. What do these three gifts symbolize? Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Gold is one of the most precious elements that we have in the world. And gold is a gift given to a king, representing the royalty of Christ. Frankincense. Frankincense is symbolic of Jesus, not only as king, but his divinity. Jesus is God. He's God of God, light of light, true God from true God, as we pray in the creed. Also, the gift of myrrh, which is a precious ointment representing the humanity of Christ. Jesus is the Son of God made man. So Jesus, Jesus is God but also man. That's what we celebrate in this Christmas season. We celebrate the incarnation that the Son of God became man <coughs> to transform us into sons of God. So, the myrrh is symbolic of the fact that Jesus would, would die on the cross and he would be anointed by a, special, by a special ointment. Gold, divinity. Incense. Rather, gold, royalty. Incense, divinity. 
and myrrh, his humanity. What about us now? How can we apply this to our, to our own lives? The Cains gave gold, frankincense, and myrrh. At the beginning of this new year, it's good to take stock and see what are some of the gifts that we can give to God. <clears throat> what are some of the gifts that we can give to God? What is the goal that we can give to God? What is the frankincense that we can give to God? What is the myrrh that we can give to God? We can all give. We're all called to give. St. Paul says there's more joy in giving than receiving. The Mother Teresa says we should learn to give until it hurts. So, our gold might be this. It's a it's an attitude that we should try to accept and cultivate at the beginning of this new year. And it might be simply this to avoid buying superfluous things. Avoid buying clothes, luggage, luggage, a purse, shoes that are excessive. You know, as it is because of the pandemic, maybe we recognize we have too many things. And if we have too many things that can clutter our hearts, Jesus says we cannot serve God and mammon, God and money or mammon at the same time. So you can maybe make a decision, I'm not going to be going online buying superfluous, excessive things that I don't really need. So it's an attitude. It's an attitude of life that we should try to, to understand, accept, and, and to live out. So, if that's the case, that, we, that means we can maybe give, we can maybe give more to others and less to ourselves. Instead of egotism, charity, generosity. Gold, frankincense. Frankincense is symbolic of the divinity of Christ, but also you notice in some of the solemn masses the incense that is used in special masses in which the, the white aromatic smoke is ascending on high. <clears throat> That's symbolic, my friends, of our prayer life. How can you judge whether or not we have, we've had a good year or not? On a human level, people will say, have a, have a happy new year. And what they're really saying, happy new year, may it be prosperous, 
may you make a lot of money, may you have no sickness, have no problems. That's what a happy new year is for, for the, the pagans. And not to say that we can't ask for prosperity, health, and goodwill. We're going to find out as we study a saint today that's not always the way it is in the lives of the saints. But rather, a good year is a year in which we've drawn closer to God. That's the ultimate criteria of what a good year is. So if I say, Happy New Year, as a priest, I hope that it is a year in which you're going to get closer to God, closer to Jesus, Mary, and St. Joseph. That's a good year. That's a better year. So incense, try this year to go deeper in your prayer life. One of the primary purposes of this perseverance family that we're establishing is they're trying to help each other to grow in our prayer life. We're trying to help each other to be faithful, be faithful to our holy hour. So if you've been scattered, inconstant, erratic in your holy hour, well, let's start right now to give the Lord that hour. As Fulton Sheen said, the hour of power. Give the Lord that hour. If you give the Lord an hour each day, he'll bless you the other 23 hours. <clears throat> Notice that. You give the Lord one hour, and he'll bless you the other 23 hours during the course of the day. And if you're doing your holy hour, well, try to improve it. We can always grow. So that would be the incense. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh points to the suffering and sacrifice of Christ on Calvary. What, what, what might be some type of sacrifice that you can offer this year? In which you're giving of yourself. This may entail a bit of, of suffering. Walking the extra mile, going out of your way, being the Good Samaritan. It might be at the table. It might be you're getting up earlier. It might be not complaining. It might be spending less time in one activity and giving it to another activity. But a lady Fatima said to Lucia, Lucia de los Santos, she basically said this, try to carry out your daily obligation with greater perfection. 
So we all have our vocation, we all have our responsibilities. Try to carry out your obligation, your state of life, as best you can. Many of you are mothers, our wives, our homemakers. You might work in making your home a more happy, joyful, agreeable presence. That could be your myrrh. So I thought I would just finish up on what we celebrated yesterday. As the kings offered gold, frankincense, and myrrh to the royalty of Christ, the divinity of Christ, the humanity of Christ. May we offer our gold by being more detached, our frankincense, praying more and better, our myrrh by practicing mortification, as three gifts to Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. One last point. The kings did not return by the route where they would encounter King Herod. But rather they were redirected to return to their countries by another route. An interpretation of this is be aware in our lives that we have the good spirit and the bad spirit. The first reading today, St. John says, test the spirits. Test the spirits. Within our lives there is the good spirit and the bad spirit. You have the Holy Spirit working on you and you have the devil working on you. We have to learn the art of discernment. The good spirit working on us, we have to accept these holy inspirations. The bad spirit, we have to reject those temptations that come from the devil. So my friends, let's turn to the saint of the day. As it happens, this week we celebrate three North American saints. <clears throat> three North American saints we celebrate this first week of the new year. Okay, the saint that we celebrate today is an extraordinary woman. Even on a human level, just... Uh, a captivating, enthralling individual. So today, my friends, we celebrate the first born American saint. The first born American saint that all of us should get to know. Her name is Saint Elizabeth Bailey Ann Seton. <clears throat> St. Elizabeth Bailey Ann Seton. 
She was actually born two years before the American Revolution. She lived at the time of George Washington. And she died in 1821. She only lived to be 46 years of age. She died January 4th, today. She's the patron saint, you might say, of the United States. She's also the patron saint of, of parochial education. She was canonized by St. Pope Paul VI in 1975. So she was born in 74 and born and canonized in 75, 201 years after she was born. Fascinating, fascinating saint. She was brought up and raised where I'm from, from New York. She was brought up and raised as <clears throat> in the high aristocratic society of New York. Her parents were not Catholic. Her parents were Episcopalian. Her father was a doctor. And her mother died and she had a stepmother. Her, father, her, her father's influence motivated her to help out the poor. Her mother and stepmother in taught her how to read and to read, read, pray and to read the Bible. So her vocation, her vocation at first was to the married life. <clears throat> so she was married at 19 to a man whose name was William William Seaton. And this man was handsome. He was the son and business partner of the owner of a wealthy shipping firm. So she married into wealth. She came from a, a well-to-do family and she married a man who uh, was handsome and intelligent and made a lot of money. She would have never guessed years later what was going to happen to her, how God was going to make a radical change in her life. Our God is a God of surprises. So God gave them five children, three girls and two boys. But everything went well until year 1803 where Will Seaton's his business went bankrupt God allowed this to happen so basically he lost all of his money and not only that but his health started to fail him so 
they decided that they had a very good family who lived in Italy. The Filici family. Good Catholic family. They invited Will and Elizabeth to travel to Italy because the weather would be better for Will's health. But what happened was, somewhat like what's happening today, they arrive in Italy and they had to be quarantined in an old fort. And they were there for not two weeks, but six weeks. So if they didn't come down with the, the disease that was prevalent there, so because these epidemics that we have, pandemics, they're almost universal. They didn't come down with it. But given that he was already ill and he had to lie in a cold, damp room, and Elizabeth, Elizabeth cared for him as best she could, but a few weeks, a few weeks after they were able to leave quarantine, they entered in Italy, Will, he died. He died. And Elizabeth, Elizabeth became a widow when she was uh, about 29, not even 30, with five kids. Now, this Felici family, look at the power of influence. This Felici family was a very good Catholic family. And because of their influence and because of the Holy Spirit, <coughs> Elizabeth became interested in Catholicism. So she went to a priest to learn about the truths of the faith. And she became a Catholic. And not only that, but her five children became Catholics. Her friends and her family were infuriated. She was seen as a, as a traitor betraying the what they believe to be the real religion and Catholicism to be a wrong religion. So, what happens is she becomes a Catholic and, and her relatives turn against her. So what she tried to do was this, highly gifted woman, she tries to open up a school in New York and it doesn't work. So she goes from New York to Maryland and she opens up a boarding school for girls in Maryland. And women came to help Elizabeth and the school started to grow and grow and grow. So soon it seemed obvious that God was asking Elizabeth, see how God works, to dedicate her life completely to him.
So these women that surrounded her and were helping out the poor, already educated, and don't forget this is about 200 years ago. They began to form a religious community of religious sisters, so how incredible. You got a mother of five kids. She's rejected by her relatives. She starts at boarding school. These young women are attracted to her. And they start to live in community. And they end up by beginning a community of religious sisters who later became known as the Daughters of Charity. She founds a religious order. The Daughters of Charity. And her name was given Mother. Mother, the head of the community, they called her Mother Seton. So she raised her children. Two of her sons went off to the Navy. Anna became a nun in her community, but her daughter died. How much suffering? At an early age, as well as Rebecca, who had a daughter named Rebecca, she died young. And then her other daughter, sister, her other daughter, Catherine, became a sister of mercy to work with those in jail. So today, thousands of Daughters of Charity carry on Mother Seton's work. They serve in hospitals, homes, for the aged, and in schools. So all the incredible graces God gave through this woman. It's an incredible story. So I hope that you get to know St. Elizabeth Ann Seton from Episcopalian, serving the poor, marrying Will Seton, having five children, losing her husband at the early age of 29, being ostracized and rejected because she becomes a Catholic, Being rejected in her first attempts to set up a school in New York, having gone to Maryland, they're starting to work with the poor and the orphans, attracting young women because of her holiness of life, and setting up a religious order dedicated especially to teaching. Seeing Two of her daughters die before her eyes. She saw her husband die and two of her daughters die. <clears throat> An extraordinary woman. Extraordinary woman. And if you read and meditate upon the office of readings, if you pray the liturgy of the hours, St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, the message in the Liturgy of the Hours is the following.
that we are all called to become saints. And she says, we will become saints in doing one thing, trying to carry out the will of God in our lives. Carrying out the will of God in our lives. Doing the will of God, doing it the way that God wants us to do it, and carrying out the will of God because God wants us to carry out His will. So I would invite all of you, especially now more than ever, to pray to this great saint. And I would say, given that she is, she was canonized in 1975, she's buried in Emmitsburg, Maryland, if you ever, in that area. She's buried in Emmitsburg, Maryland. We have, not too far away, there's a seminary. Today, my friends, given that there are a lot of crises throughout the world, but one of the biggest dangers today is a crisis in education. Education in elementary schools. Education in middle school. Education in high school. Education in a higher level. We don't want our children to be poisoned by paganistic, transgender ideas in which the innocence of our children is being jeopardized. The innocence of our children is in great danger. So today when we celebrate this great American saint, and we're going to be celebrating another one tomorrow, I think we have to really pray. Because if this LGBT, this transgender education becomes a reality in our country, I think your children as well as our families are in great jeopardy. Are in great danger. And I would say if that is the reality, I think you moms and dads and a lot of you, some of your grandparents, there are two options. Homeschooling, which many are doing. You've got the Angelicum, you've got Seton, Seton homeschooling or private Catholic schools. But in placing your children in a public school where they can tell your child, your boy, that he can become a girl and your daughter, she can become a boy, and they can even change that, that's terrible. And Jesus said that scandals will enter the world. But woe to those who scandalize the little ones, taking away their innocence.
already talking to them about sexuality, confusing them as to their sexual identity. Jesus said, better for them to have a millstone around their neck and to be cast in the depths of the sea than to be scandalizing one of these innocent children. Father Benedict Rochelle called this the millstone award. We have to fight for the unborn child. That's true. We have to fight for the aged against euthanasia. But also we have to make a concerted effort to fight for the child that he will not be poisoned by erroneous educational ideas. <clears throat> for that reason, let's beg St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, tomorrow St. John Neumann, who are so strong in good Catholic solid education. And we'll be able to go back to that. We'll be able to go back to that. So that's St. Elizabeth Ann Seton, a great modern saint. So today, my friends, we have in our readings for the day, we have the letter, a reading from the first letter of St. John, and then we jump into the Gospel of St. Matthew. The letter of St. John offers a lot to reflect upon today. And he says, Beloved, we receive from him whatever we ask because we keep his commandments. Let's talk about that. We receive from him whatever we ask if we keep his commandments. Jesus says, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. Whoever asks, receives. Whoever seeks, finds. Whoever knocks, the door will be open. Matthew 7, verse 7. <clears throat> but we will receive. If we are carrying out his commandments... Jesus says, "Though if you love me, keep my commandments. Jesus says, not all those who say, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but those who do the will of my Father. So keeping God's commandments is the way in which we carry out God's will. I'll give you an example. Now, John, okay, John and Mary, they fall in love. They're Catholics. They decide, they decide to elope and they 
don't get married in the church. They get married in a, in a civil wedding. Maybe in Las Vegas or in L.A., wherever. So both of them have willfully chosen to live with each other without the blessing of holy matrimony. Are their prayers going to be pleasing to God? Really the only prayer that will be pleasing to God from John and Mary would be what? Would be repentance. An act of contrition. Repentance in which both of them decide to separate, not to live together, faking that they're husband and wife, and then ask the church, talk with the priest, to get married in the church. So God hears our prayers. But also, if we're not keeping his commandments, God's not going to grant us what we ask until we repent of our sins. And sometimes we're praying for something and it seems as if God doesn't seem to listen to us. St. Thomas Aquinas, writing on the prayer petition, offers us these words of wisdom. He says that God always listens to us. God isn't deaf. God always has his ears inclined to our supplication. However, God, who's a loving father, he can say, no. He can say, yes, but later. And he can say, yes, but under the condition that you do this. There's the theology of prayer of the angelic Dr. Thomas Aquinas. God sometimes... God sometimes says no. He sometimes says no because we're asking for something, my friends, that would not be good for our spiritual life. Not, would not be good for our, our spiritual life, not be good for our pathway to heaven. So God will often, he will say no. Because we're asking for something, we're asking for something we think is good, but God knows in the long run it's not going to be good for us. Here's an example. You have a little son who is three years of age, and you have a workshop. <clears throat> And on the bench of the workshop, you have a 
a glass, and in that glass is brown liquid. And your little son says, Dad, give me, I want to drink that. It's a hot day. I want to drink that. And you say, no, you can't drink that. I want it. No, you can't drink it. No, I want it. Okay, he thinks that that brown liquid is chocolate milk. He thinks it's chocolate milk. But you know it's rat poison. So obviously you're not going to be giving your son rat poison. Sometimes we do the same thing with God. We think what we're asking for is chocolate milk. But it's really rat poison. So God will sometimes say no to us because we're asking for something that is really not good for us. Then God will sometimes give to us under the conditions, say John and Mary, they're living together in sin. Okay, once God would be saying, once you decide to get your your living condition blessed by the sacrament of holy matrimony, once you decide upon that, then God will start to bless you with other blessings. In other words, they were not in the will of God. As, as Elizabeth Ann Seton says, we have to do God's will. Two young people living together, that's not God's will. They're living in fornication. It's not God's will. It's against the sixth and ninth commandment. So our sanctification is doing God's will. As Dante says in the Divine Comedy, as he enters into heaven, on the arches of heaven is written, in God's will is our peace. In God's will is our peace. <clears throat> okay, I'd like to comment on another verse, jumping down. And this is very Ignatian because many of you who are with me have done the spiritual exercises of St. Ignatius. By the way, I'm going to be given the spiritual exercise of St. Ignatius uh, at the end of the month, on January 30th. Two sessions at the same time, in English and Spanish. It's the last Saturday of the month, and it'll be December, or rather January 30th at 12 p.m. in the parking lot, as well as online, and at 2.15 in Spanish. It's already... Write that on your calendar so you can do the spiritual exercises program. It's a 10-week program. And we actually finish Sabado di Gloria. We actually we finish on Easter, the day before Easter. So we invite you to participate in the spiritual exercises program. Related to Ignatian spirituality, St. John says, Beloved, do not trust every spirit, but test the spirit, test the spirits to see whether they belong to God. Because there are many false prophets. 
Because I mentioned this earlier in my conversation with you. Do not trust every spirit, but test the spirits. This is called the art of spiritual discernment. The art of spiritual discernment. You have to discern whether or not the spirit comes from God or comes from the bad spirit. And in the book written by Father Jacques Philippe, The School of the Holy Spirit, Father Jacques Philippe insists in his spiritual masterpiece of a book. He says that our holiness, my friends, our holiness depends upon doing God's will, but being docile to the Holy Spirit. Father Jacques Philippe in the book says, he gives an example from his life in which he comes back from a retreat, enters his, his home, his rectory, and he's very tired. Myself having given many retreats, retreat work is very satisfying, but it's very taxing and can be very exhausting. So he enters his house and he wants to go to his room and probably just to collapse because of the weariness of the retreat. But he hears an, in, an inner voice. Go to the chapel and make a short visit to the Eucharistic Lord. Somewhat reluctant and maybe resistant because of his weariness, ah, I can go tomorrow. But the inspiration, inspiration, this is called the art of spiritual discernment. Not tomorrow morning, tonight. So the thought is in his mind, it won't leave him. And he goes to the chapel, decides to go into the chapel, And he makes a short visit to the Eucharistic Lord. Then after saying goodnight to the Lord, he goes to his room and he's able to rest that night. Now my friends, what would have happened if he had resisted that interior inspiration He probably would have went up to his room and been tossing and turning maybe in his bed, not at peace, and gotten up without resting well because of resisting the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. That's why John says, Beloved, do not trust every spirit, but test the spirit. That spirit was the Holy Spirit that was motivating him to go and visit our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And to make a short Eucharistic visit. 
On a daily basis, my friends, you're, you're going to be having these inspirations. In this perseverance family, we're all, like St. Elizabeth and St. We're all trying. We're all trying. We're all struggling. To grow in our spiritual life. To grow in holiness. We're all struggling. And that's why we have to test the spirits. The essence of holiness is being docile to the inner workings of God, the Holy Spirit, in your minds, your hearts, and your souls. So let's ask St. Elizabeth and Seton. Let's ask the Blessed Mother. Let's ask the angels and the saints for the grace to be open to the Holy Spirit. Not only open, but to say yes, like the Blessed Virgin Mary, who said, Yes, I am the servant of the Lord. <clears throat> may it be done to me according to their word. Say, so may God bless all of you. The Lord be with you. Through the intercession of St. Elizabeth and St. God's angels and saints, may God bless you in a very special way today. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Finding someone on an online Catholic dating site shouldn't be like shopping for a blender. So why do most dating sites leave you feeling like you're shopping for a spouse? At Catholic Singles, we connect members through our unique user polls and activities, which help you discover other members and their personalities and interests. Because you're a person, not a profile picture. So stop shopping and start discerning. Trust your love story to the original Catholic dating site and use the promo code BREADBOX at checkout for 20% off at catholicsingles.com.